You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. My name's Tim. Just to say, if you haven't come here before, you're very welcome. We'd love to say hello to you in person. Please do go over to the welcome area afterwards. And we've been going through a series, as you can see on the screen, called Blueprint, uh, which is a series in 1 Timothy, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to his uh, loyal companion, Timothy, a man he calls his son in the faith, and he's writing to him to to help him establish biblical, correct, healthy church life in churches that Paul has asked Timothy, can you oversee these ones? So Paul is not in prison writing this one. He's often in prison, but not this time. He's writing to Timothy in Ephesus. Uh, Timothy is in Ephesus, looking after the churches there. And Timothy actually seems, sounds like he came to faith through one of Paul's missions. He came to faith in Jesus. And Paul obviously saw this man has zeal for Jesus. He is a man of integrity. And he started to mentor him and take him on mission trips with him. And through that, he's now deployed him and said, now you go, and I would love it if you would help us establish churches, which is something that this church is part of a family of churches that does the same sort of thing. And Morris is often jet-setting around uh, Europe trying to help churches get established healthily. And we want our church here to be established healthily, the foundations to be strong. So we're going through this book to make sure we are as healthy as we can be. We've looked at being a church in prayer, a church in worship, a church with leaders, and a church with servants over the last four weeks. And today we're going to look at a church in training. So uh, we're in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, if you'd like to turn there. And I'm going to go through the whole chapter. It's only 16 verses, but... Uh, I'll, I'll go through it all here, and it'll be on the screen as well. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, so he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you you bring this correction, this protection to the brothers, to the churches, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. 
I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll jump into what we're going to focus on. Father, we thank you for a, a beautiful time of worship in your presence. We thank you that we know we are connecting and in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for your devotion to us, your mercies, new every morning, your commitment for us is secure, whether we have been committed to you or not, you are committed to us. We thank you that you woo us, you call us lovingly into relationship with you. You don't have a heavy hand on us. And we pray that you would bless us through your word now, that it would be helpful, it would be not just informative, but motivating, inspiring. It would make truth come alive in us. It would be living and active, that we would be a people who train for godliness and have a reputation for godliness in this town. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are looking at training for, training for what? Training in godliness. Paul is telling Timothy, train yourself in godliness. And he begins this section, this section of his letter, which we call chapter 4, which he didn't write it that way, that was added later, um, by drawing Timothy back to the dangers that that people of faith uh, face in being hoodwinked. He talked about this in chapter 1. He's come back to it again. Be aware that people get distracted and they end up abandoning the faith in Christ. And he's saying to Timothy, be a protector. Be a proclaimer of truth as opposed to uh, these deceitful messages that come through from others that pull people to the side. And, and we, we struggle with distraction uh, in our faith all the time. If you're somebody who calls yourself a Christian, I'm sure you'll know this only too well. And, and very sadly... Uh, even, in, in this, even in this church, we've had people over the last few years who have who've said, yeah, I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. I've put my faith in him. And months down the line, they're not with us. And Jesus said, this will be how the, the gospel will be received by some. It will, it, will, it will be like seeds that go on a pathway and get pecked up. It will be like seeds that go into shallow earth and they can only go so far. But if you don't get your roots down, you're not really going to uh, find your perseverance in Christ is going to be as successful. And we're going to talk about how, how you train yourself in that today. And it may not be that we're hoodwinked, uh, distracted by uh, demonic devices of people dragging us away. We may not think they're demonic, but the devil has all sorts of plans and all sorts of schemes. And it may be something that is just so alluring. And we think, I'm just, I'm just going to choose that over God. I know I am. But this is maybe more relevant for many of us. Is that It's not that kind of sex, drugs, and rock and roll that pulls us away, but just everyday common distraction. Just, I just spent three hours on my phone, and I don't even know what I did. How often do we find that? That's my challenge, is to think, well, I've just been on Netflix for three hours watching Friends, which I've watched millions of times before. I don't need to watch that. Am I training myself? Am I growing in godliness? Am I, am I stepping into my destiny in God? No, I'm actually getting distracted. And that may be more relevant for many of us. And the truth may be, oh, that's harmless. But I'm sure it was harmless to many people who used to call God their sa- Jesus their saviour. And now, no, it didn't really work for me. So Paul, is, his answer to this danger is that Timothy, he warns the church, he protects the church, and he trains himself in godliness. And he sets an example and trains others in godliness too. So before we just kick off into what is training in godliness, it's good to just 
define what are we talking about? What is godliness? What is godliness? So I've had a stab at a definition here, which I've, I've said it's this Christ-like obedience and trust in God as displayed in our desires, actions, and character. It's Christ-like obedience. The Bible says that when we're in Christ, if you're someone here today who calls yourself a Christian, you have been united with Christ. So we want him, he's within us, we want him to be coming to the surface, not burying him down and saying, no, it's all, I, I drive this, this car, thank you very much. No, no, Jesus, you, you drive this, you come to the surface. We want to be Christ-like in our obedience, trusting in God as Jesus did and displaying it. Because it's quite, in our day and age, we're very proud about, you know, I've got my convictions. And if somebody ever challenges you, hey, I don't know what you're doing. Do you, do you, you know, how's your walk with God going? Oh, it's going fine, thank you. I, I'm very private about that. Well, he's saying here, he said, well, we'll come to it a little bit later. There should be a display. There should be something on display that others would see. So a godliness is an obedience, a trust in God, and it has a way of displaying itself. And the next thing is, do we ask, do I, do I even want holiness? Do I want godliness? Is that something, something I desire? Or is it just a lot more effort for not much reason? I went to my life group, my midweek church group yesterday. Uh, it was about 40 of us. We went to Rendlesham Forest. And we're walking through with lots of kids, probably about maybe 20 kids. And for some reason, pretty much well, most of the kids decided to all pick up big logs each and try and walk with big logs and I'll walk. And there's my five-year-old at the back, you know, dragging some log. And I said to him, I advise that you don't do that because you're ruining a perfectly good walk by making it really difficult for no reason. And maybe that's how you feel a little bit about holiness and godliness. Well, isn't it just doing extra work for no reason? If I'm a Christian, then I'm going to heaven. That, you know, that's sealed. So what's the point in all the effort? God loves me. I'm adopted. I'm his son or daughter. So why, why the effort? Why the work? You know, Mark Twain said, golf is a walk spoiled. If you're not a fan of golf, then you might think, yeah, I know what he means. You know, if you ever tried it and failed, like me, you know, you think, oh, why would I want to? It's a beautiful place to walk. Why would I want to just try and miss and get frustrated and like swearing under my breath? You know, just what is going on here? Well, I could just have a beautiful walk. And you may think that's what holiness, that's what godliness is like. And when I say swearing, obviously, I mean uh, just very godly words <laughs> undermine my message here. So, uh, yeah, we may feel that way and just think, godliness, is, is it worth it? Well, Paul gives two good reasons here to Timothy to, to walk and pursue godliness and train yourself in godliness. The other thing that we may think in this room, you may think, putting a lot of effort in, I thought we were a grace-based church. I thought we preached the doctrine of grace. If you're not sure what that is, putting it very simply, we sang about it and we've heard about it in the worship with people's words, but we, we're trusting in Jesus' performance, not ours. Yes, hallelujah to that. I absolutely want to uphold that. That When I fail, I know I have got a Savior who never failed. And I hold on to that. And I am secure in my adoption with him. And I am his son. And I will be with him face to face because of his performance. But there's so much... So much reason, so many reasons to push into fighting and striving for godliness. In fact, I've been reading this book called A Hole in Our Holiness. And uh, the author, Kevin DeYoung, he, he says, 
There are, I've probably only hit about a third of them here, he says. He probably multiply it by three. But he gives 40 reasons to push into godliness. So I'll just read a few of them. Um, for the public good, push into godliness. To lift up a nation. These are all backed up with scriptures here. Because of the folly of sin and the futility of sin. Because of the promise of future grace. Because we were created for good works. Because of the good example of others. Because of the communion of the saints. Because of the surety of our inheritance. Many reasons to to be fighting for godliness. But Paul gives Timothy two here. And I've just added one from Romans on to the end here. First he says this. Godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and the life to come. It holds promise. It's of value. It's worthwhile. Godliness is it, it's worth pushing into because it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Are you looking for the reward? Are you, are you the sort of Christian who thinks, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that one day... The Father will say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And I will step into what he has prepared for me. Jesus said, where I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you. And he's, he's got a crown for us. And many people would think, isn't that a little bit, you know, looking for the reward? Shouldn't I just be doing it for the glory of God? Yeah, do it for the glory of God. And God says, and there's a reward. There's a reward to push into, to know that he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. We, we're quite quick to know that if I call myself a Christian, if I've believed in Jesus, I know that my past has been forgiven and my future is with him. And we forget about this in between, this life. And what is Paul saying here? It holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Obeying and trusting God is not just the forgiveness of past sins, not just the expectation of a future with God, but it holds promise for now, for the present life. There's peace to know as you push into this unity with God, being united with Christ. Peace comes. You think, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure things that I couldn't do without him. I can prevail with things. I can win with things with Christ. He gives me peace. He gives me a joy that I would otherwise not know. He gives me security. He gives me wisdom. I'm called, actually, to reign in life. That's my destiny. So for the destiny that God's called us to, we pursue godliness. We reign in life, and we need to be aware that that, we can get pretty messed up with that. Some preachers would say that reigning in life means, you know, God gives you stuff. But actually, what we know reigning in life is God gives me God and walks with me. That's reigning in life, where I begin to see the the scales tip from things that I used to just never be able to get over. Things I used to fall into, sin all the time, temptation, or things would get me down. And more and more, as I trust in God, the scales have tipped. And now, it's not really a problem. But it does take work. It takes work to trust in God and say, over time, godliness, I've pursued it, and he has been faithful. And in this life, There are promises for me to hold on to. Second thing he says here is, for this end we toil and strive. For what end? For this end, because we have our hope set on the living God. This is why we strive and toil for godliness, because of the object of our affection. He's worthy. He's worth it. He's incredible. There's no one greater than him. I want to get to know him more. I want to be more like him. He is 
unchanging. He is where our hope can be set and never be let down. You put your hope in lots of things. We put our hopes in lots of things, and eventually most of them we find it's a bit like thin ice. You know, I've put my hope in it, put my hope in it, eventually let me down. But we put our hope in the living God who will never let us down. He cannot fail. He cannot change. He's unchangeable. He doesn't betray. He can't betray. Maybe you've been betrayed. He doesn't falter. He doesn't grow weary. He is worthy. He's good. And I want to be like him. I want to please him. I want to live a life of gratitude for his loving kindness. And thirdly, this is what I found in Romans. It says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Looking for godliness and growing in godliness and training in godliness is the very essence of Christianity. Christ died for the ungodly to make us godly. That's why he died for us, to make us godly. Not just so that we can have a ticket to heaven. Not just so that we can have something to do on Sunday mornings. Not to just be part of something which isn't fun and adventurous, yes, but he died so the ungodly could be made godly. It's the essence of who we are. It's the essence of what he's done for us. So we pursue it. That's who we are in him. So for me, for the sake of life in abundance, for the sake of my hope being in a worthy king, and because it is the very reason he died for me, I want to pursue godliness. And as I've said, there are scores of other reasons as well. I want to pursue what it is to be like God, to be trusting in in God, obeying God. And Paul is saying the way to pursue it, Timothy, is to get into training. Get into training. It's the word linked with um, training for athletics in those days. In fact, it's the word linked for naked training, which is bizarre. But in those days, you would have people running and race. And if you know the book of Hebrews a little bit, uh, it says uh, we, we um, throw off every hindrance and run the race. And that would have been thinking again about those days when the, the athletes would have literally run naked. You want to get rid of everything that could hold me back and just go. And Paul is thinking about this kind of athlete. This, I, I am going to be ruthless. I'm going to choose one thing, set my mind on it, and I'm going to throw off everything that hinders me. And he wants Timothy to recognize this won't just happen. I'm not just assuming it will happen because you're a good guy, Timothy, and you love Jesus. I'm asking you, I'm exhorting you to work hard, train yourself. Effort and sweat are involved. So why do people train for things? Why do people train? Well, they train to be well prepared when action comes. We train to be well prepared, don't we? Why do people go into training, teacher training and sports training and business training? To be prepared well when you're called into action. We're meant to be people of action, Christians. We're not meant to be static, not meant to be passive, we're meant to be people of action. Often we are static and passive, and the truth is it's because we've failed to do the work of training. We haven't put in the hours. And so actually we just don't know how to move forward, so we're just static. Or, or when life comes at us, we don't know how to respond because we haven't been in training. So we're going to use some training illustrations from athletics and other things. We just look at what is, what is training like? What kind of training is he talking about? Well, just to say first of all that training, what we're talking about here is, is 
Training in godliness can only be found in if, if you're looking to know who God is. And God has revealed himself in the word. So the most obvious place, and actually there's no loophole, there's no other way of knowing who God is than opening his word. Many of us might think, oh, I knew you were going to say that. You know, I find it really hard. Well, that's why, you know, Paul's saying train yourself. It takes some effort. Put yourself in, in a position where you're saying, okay, I'm going to persevere. And you will find that the book is alive. You'll find that often there's low-hanging fruit. You just think, oh, that was, that was so good. I needed to read that. It was good for my soul. And also, as is so often the case with training, it, it, it's not euphoric at the time. You don't train for a marathon and think, oh, I love this training. Let's go, go, go. But when you get to marathon day, you are so grateful you did the training. And often when we look in the word, we are training. We're preparing. We're getting ready for action. We're letting the Holy Spirit shape us and understand the way things work so that we are wise and ready and prepared for when life comes at us. And prayer, so that we hear from God and we speak to him. We train. We, we have our coach in the Holy Spirit and in God that he would speak to us. So I've, I've just... Named two things that I think training should be. Training should be, number one, done in advance. Done in advance. If we're preparing for something, it should be done in advance. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. It's delayed gratification. It's not very popular in our time. I just want something right now, to be fun right now. That's why I get distracted on my phone, because I just want some stimulus right now. Rather than say, no, put myself through something that is far more worthy for the sake of the joy set before me. Jesus endured the cross for the sake of you. You're the joy set before him and for his Father's glory. And we need to be people who practice delayed gratification for uh, training is done in advance. We can't turn up on uh, a marathon running day and just expect to succeed very well. I haven't done any training, but... Come on, let's go for it. We're not going to do too well. I mean, imagine turning up at a war zone and saying to the general with the bullets flying everywhere and limbs flying everywhere and buildings falling down, hey, can I join in? No, you can't. You haven't done any training. Who are you? Or what? even worse, what if you said, yeah, you can? And like you find yourself holding this huge pack and you've got people shooting at you. This is crazy. I'm not ready for this. So we, we, we prepare before. And the sad, it sounds comical, but the sad thing is we do that sort of thing all the time when we're unprepared with how to respond to harshness or disappointment in life or when temptation comes along. And we just think, I don't know, I'm not prepared. I haven't prepared myself, I haven't trained myself in godliness, so I just give in whatever my flesh wants. Or when we need to make a healthy decision for our family or for you know, in our own lives. And we just improvise. I don't really know. Just whatever I feel like. Or we panic if we don't know what to do. But training means we prepare in advance. Not during, not after. A, uh, a preacher who was very influential in my life, I heard him say this, that one day a lady in his church came to him and uh, they, she'd lost a family member. Uh, and it was a shock. It was a surprise. And she, her family had been grieving. And she said to him, I want to thank you for preparing us for this. She had for years been sitting under his teaching and she hadn't been sitting there with a bag of popcorn going, yeah, come on, entertain me. Hope you've got some good jokes this week. 
She'd been studying and listening and training herself. And so when life hit hard, oh, thank you for training me. Thank you for preparing me for this. We are diligent about training, preparing. I thought that uh, this morning in the, the, the first meeting, I thought Anna Colbert, who was hosting, did such a fantastic job. And I said to her afterwards, I was so great. Your maturity uh, and help to the congregation is so good. And then I thought, well, that's exactly what I've been talking about. She's a diligent lady in the Word. She knows God, and it's evident. She's prepared just by who she is in life. She loves Jesus, and she's a man, a, a man. She's a lady of the Word. So we do it in advance, and we see the fruit of it later. Number two is training should be structured and specific. To be successful, we've got to train specifically. I know that many of the youth will be uh, going into their GCSEs and A-levels soon. And uh, to do well in them, they need to study in the subject that they are doing the exam in. You've got to be specific. And even more so these days, uh, teachers pretty much train you for the exam. You know, you're training for what you're going into. I watched a, a short YouTube video this week. And I was thinking about this training theme of Usain Bolt. And uh, he was training in the muscle group that he uses. So he's resistance training in his thighs, you know, real big weights. He's not doing a load of arms and leaving his... He's thinking, no, I'm, I need to bulk up and I'm sprinting. So he trains in that area. When we're training, we need to be specific and structured. So think about what, what do I come up against? What am I going into? What is my opposition going to be? What temptation do I tend to face? And get training. If you go into a workplace where you know there is so much gossip here and I find it hard to not get sucked in, train yourself. Don't go in naively. Train yourself. What is it like to be godly in that instance? Or if you go in and it's coarse language and it's just crude, again, what can I do? Perhaps somebody in the workplace has given you the eye and you think, I am tempted here. I've got to train myself. I'm not going to be naive here and think, oh, I can handle it. I've got to see what is a godly response to this. Perhaps you're a new parent or you're going to be a parent or you are an experienced parent. You think, I need actually, I don't think I'm a very godly parent. I need to train in godliness. I need to ask people. I need to go to the word. What does it look like to be a godly parent or a, a godly spouse? I need to grow in godliness. Or maybe you just know areas where I'm quite weak, I'm not godly, I'm, I'm not good with my time management, or I'm not good with whatever it might be. I need to be purposeful, specific, and train up against those things. How does my un- being united with Christ change that situation? What does it mean to be godly in that situation? And uh, next, I thought uh, it would be helpful to talk about what does training require? What does it require? Because we look in verse 15, and... Uh, Paul says to Timothy, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Practice and immerse. It's talking about devotion. You need devotion. If you're going to train well, if you're going to succeed, it's talk, it's, we're called to devotion, to give ourselves over to something. Actually, there is a, there's a, a mirroring of devotion in this book, sorry, in this chapter. And at the beginning, it talks about people who have devoted themselves to the wrong things. And their lives give up. They put down the faith. So he's saying you can devote yourself to good things and you can devote yourself to unhelpful things. 
devote yourself to training in God. You need the desire and belief. You need belief. Will it do me good? Do I trust that God will do me good? Am I, is it going to be just carrying a log? Just hard work for no... No, I'm going to believe. This is for my good. It takes actual time and effort. Actual time and effort. How many of us have thought in the past, I, I'm going to learn the guitar. I'm going to learn the piano. I'm going to learn another language. And the intention was there, but the time and effort wasn't there. And we never got anywhere. We got three weeks in and we gave up. I'm three weeks into about four different instruments. Didn't put the time in. And I regret it. I would love to know how to play the piano. I would love to do that. It takes real time, actual time and effort. And it takes sacrifice. I enjoy what, uh, watching. I enjoy reading uh, sports biographies. Every single one of them. You can see it's so clear. They had to be ruthless. There were times in life where they had to sacrifice. And their friends might come around and say, hey, we're all going out. Do you want to come? And there came a moment where they said, I've seen something I'm going for. And I'm going to say no to that. That can be hard. I'm going to say no to something I love. I love going out with my friends, but I've seen something greater. Is there a willingness in your life to say, I'm going to sacrifice things that I love for the sake of something greater? For the sake of knowing Christ, for the sake of growing in godliness and honoring him. And it takes persistence. And in persistence, we're thinking of failing and trying again. Again, with, with piano, I watched something this week very helpful and saying, actually, these days, you know, if you say to someone, you play music, there's two different ways you can play music. You can press play on something, or you can play an instrument. And they're saying that the level of joy you would get from pressing play, it'd be high at first, but then as you've heard that one, many times it goes down pretty quickly. So then you press play on a different one. Oh, high. And you get these waves of high, but they go down quickly. And he said the other thing of playing music where you're learning to play music, it starts out quite low in terms of fun, in terms of enjoyment. But it goes up and up. And up, and he said he'd been learning the piano. He learned the piano 20 years ago, and he is enjoying it more and more and more every year. I thought it was really helpful to think things that are worthwhile. We give ourselves to, we persist in, and we fail. And we don't we don't expect it to be euphoric every time, but we know this is worth it. I'm going to persist. It takes planning. Training requires planning. Again, you, you wouldn't. Uh, Easily just think, if I'm going to do a marathon in a year's time, I wouldn't wake up many days and think, right, I'll do my five miles today. Right, I'll do the ten miles. I've never done ten miles. But you might think, it's in the diary. I knew this was coming. It's five miles today. Let's go. And you're not thinking, yay! But you're thinking, I put this in the diary. I planned it. Okay, I've got to do ten miles in a month's time. I better do my five miles now. And you're planning. You put things in process. You put things in in the, the diary. So training requires planning. And lastly, I've put training requires humility because you need to recognize I need to train. I need help. I need knowledge that is external. I need to grow in something that I don't have yet. So we want to grow in God. We've got to grow and be like him. I need to know him in his word. Jerry Bridges in his book, um, The Pursuit of Holiness, helpfully puts it like this. Satan will always battle us at this point 
He will try to persuade us that we are too sleepy in the morning, too busy during the day, too tired at night. It seems there is never a suitable time for the word of God. This means we must discipline ourselves to provide this time in our daily schedules. I have found the early morning hour before breakfast to be the most profitable time for me to read the Bible and pray over areas of concern and need. That is also the only time of day when I can be consistent in my principal means of exercise, jogging. To do all this before breakfast requires that I get up at 5 o'clock. And since I need about seven hours, sleep each, seven hours of sleep each night, that means I must be in bed, lights out, by 10 p.m. That is hard to do. It can only be done by disciplining my evening hours. It's really helpful, really practical to think, I want to know Jesus in the morning, so I want to be with him, I want to grow. That means I need to think, what's the process? I'm not just going to wake up and think, right, I'm, I'm down there with my Bible. I need to be thinking, I'm going to bed wanting to get up to be with Jesus. Not, here's my seventh episode of Friends. It's now half past two in the morning. But I'll be all right, I'll get up. No, you won't. Again, being ruthless, putting things in plan. I thought that was so practical and helpful to read that. Lastly here, what does training produce? What does training produce? In verse 15, Paul says to Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. It produces evidence. It produces fruit. All will see. You don't do it so that others will see. You know, that probably wouldn't be godly, would it? You know, don't do it so others will see what you're doing. But you do it so that it's undeniable. If Timothy, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, it should be undeniable. It should be obvious to other people. You're growing. People will see your progress. You're strengthening. You know, we train, see athletes training. You see some of these footballers that started as teenagers coming through the ranks. And now they're massive. You think, well, their, their training is paying off, not, as well as their skill, obviously. So you find newfound strength to do what you previously couldn't, to endure what you previously couldn't. Skill, skill for life, wisdom. Endurance when things and people are against you. It produces beauty. Beauty. Do you want to be beautiful for God and victorious? We're called to reign in life. Jeff Colvin wrote this book called Talent is Overrated. I recommend it. It's really helpful. And we often think, I wish things were just easy. Well, he's saying it's not like that, really. Talent is overrated. He says this. Mozart's first work regarded today as a masterpiece, with its status confirmed by the number of recordings available, is his Piano Concerto No. 9, composed when he was 21. That's certainly an early age. But we must remember that by then, Wolfgang had been going through 18 years of extremely hard expert training. Then he says this, Ambitious parents who are currently playing the baby Mozart video for their toddlers may be disappointed to learn that Mozart became Mozart by working furiously hard. I want to produce beauty. I want to produce victory. I want to fulfill our destiny in God. It doesn't just come. Paul is saying, train yourself. Train yourself. I want to endure. I would love to be on my deathbed thinking, I've run my race. I didn't give up when things got hard. I ran my race and God was faithful. 
and hopefully be one day face to face with him, hearing him say, well done. We'd only ever put this much effort in for something we were hugely motivated about, wouldn't we? You're thinking, oh, Tim, you're talking about effort, talking about hard work, sweat. You know, I'm never going to do a marathon. I'm not, not keen about it at all. don't care. And this sounds a bit like that. Well, it, we would only do it for something we were massively motivated about, something we found truly amazing, something that takes, something that's worthy, as we've been singing Something we loved with all our heart, mind, and soul. So these lengths of effort and sacrifice and pain, it takes real affection for us to go that distance. It takes real love. And so we look at the one who went through real effort and sacrifice and pain. And it gives us the best reason to do it. In Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here it is, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our greatest motivation that there is one who went through everything to claim us. Who went through every sacrifice, every pain, every effort to claim us for his own. And has been raised and seated at the Father's right hand. So just some options here of response to this. If the band want to come and join us. We're going to stand in a moment and sing. But maybe here that you're here and, you're, you're here and you, you wouldn't call yourself a believer. You're looking in. You're interested I want to ask you because there was this phrase that Paul used. He says this, This end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the saviour of all people. If you're here and you think, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm looking in, I'd ask you, what's your hope in? What's your hope in? Because Paul is saying we have a solid hope. I'd love to encourage you, look into giving your hope to the one who will never let you down. The living God is the saviour of all people and he's completely trustworthy. He's worthy of your hope. We'd love to help you to get to know him, to introduce you to him, to help you know the difference between death and aimlessness, but rather life and fruitfulness. That's what's on offer with this God who is unfailing. And there are Christians here and I'll ask you a few questions. Is there evidence of training for godliness in your life? Do people look on and say, well, we're just undeniable. This person is training for godliness. Is there evidence? Or perhaps there's evidence of a lack of training. You know you're ill-prepared. You often give in to anxiety and fretting and panicking or making terrible choices. Are you ill-prepared? As I was preparing this, one of the authors I was reading said, there's a lot of uh, active Christians. There's a lot of people on mission, building churches, caring for the poor, but not so many godly Christians, truly godly Christians. If we look at the New Testament, the commands to be godly, they're actually far more higher numbers than the commands that I've just talked about, looking after the poor, building the church. They're, all, they're, they're in there, but... God wants us to be godly. 
He's called us to be godly. We want to be a church in training. He went for the, Jesus went to the cross for us. The effort, the life of diligence, the life of obedience and trust to the Father for my sake. I hope you think with me, how can I not respond with a desire to be more like him? So as we finish, it's easy to have good intentions and think, yeah, I probably should do a bit more. I'd ask you, what are you going to do? How are you going to plan? You're going to say to someone today, perhaps maybe should we meet up a bit? I'm going to put a Bible reading plan. I'm going to put something in my phone now. I'm going to do something. Because good intentions only go too far. What are we going to do? I want to know this God. I want to display godliness. I encourage you, get active about it. Get in training. Father God, we just thank you that you sent your son who didn't hold back anything. He was ruthlessly set towards the cross for our sake. But for the joy set before him, he endured it. Thank you that we're a joy to him. We thank you that honoring you is a joy to him. And we would love to say honoring you is a joy to us. I pray that we might love your ways. I pray that we might be a people who would be well known for our godliness. That others would raise, a, raise an eyebrow at the choices we make be interested in why we're making those choices and we would be clear to say I've seen something great and I'm going for it really pray you bless us to make choices today if you know you've got a choice to make and you need some help you'd like some support in prayer please come over to the prayer area or just pray with the person you came with let's make some resolutions let's resolve you're so worth it God I want to step into the destiny you've got for me I want to run a race well I can't just expect to turn up at the start line and think it's going to go okay and he is faithful to walk with you he is faithful to stand he is faithful to help you stand so Father we pray bless us as a people today to be a people in training a church in training in Jesus name Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.